Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Welcome to the Wednesday radio show, everybody. This is Trevor Davis, lead wealth coach up here at Total Wealth Academy. Hope everybody had a good week last week. We were off because we were attending the online event with Tony Robbins. And this was another event not exactly related to the one I've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, weeks and weeks. This is not UPW, Unleash the Power Within, which I will be continuing to go through today as our primary content for the day, but this was called the Unshakable Challenge, so everybody in the office was watching this. This was a 100% free live-streamed event, and this was literally six full days. It was supposed to be five, but as Tony talks about and emphasizes, over-delivery is one of the best habits your business can cultivate over deliver on your promises to your customers and they will become customers for life. And of course, we're going to start with the Albert Einstein quote, which is the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. Everybody is trying to hang on to the best things that they know at all times. And they're hanging on to the things that allow them to survive. And when we hang on only to the things that make us survive, We lose sight of the things that make us thrive and make us achieve whatever the heck it is that we consider success. And ultimately, one of my favorite quotes, and it comes out of the yellow book that I read every day, which is, it's impossible until it's done. And it's a quote from Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan is regarded as one of the best musicians of all time not only because he's an awesome performer and an awesome instrument player, but because the poetry behind his written word is really, really remarkable. And let's talk about his definition of success. Bob Dylan said that a person is successful if they wake up in the morning and go to bed at night. And between those two points, do what they want to do. So while we're getting hung up on a perception of success that's directly and inextricably attached to celebrities, for example, you know, in the run-up to the show, we just talked about Tom Brady, and if you wanted to be a football quarterback, then this would be a different conversation. But for everybody else who's going to feel some type of way or feel insecure because of Tom Brady's success, you know, that's ridiculous because most of us never wanted to be a freaking NFL quarterback. And we don't have to attach success either to fame. Because what the heck is fame? Is fame something that's going to satisfy you after you pass away? No, because for you, it's gone, just like everything else. What specifically does fame provide for people and their mental health sometimes? A lot of times it's a lot of stress and it's a lot of, wow, I actually wish I could go out and about without having to wear sunglasses and a dark coat and a hat in the middle of summer in Los Angeles. 
everybody's definition of success has to be individual and unique. And if this, like these two examples, are part of what you consider success, then that is part of what you need to pursue. But for me personally, that's not part of what I consider success. I'm not pursuing those particular goals. I have different goals. And based on the conversations that I have with most people and, you know, my sphere, it doesn't seem like most people are going for that type of super celebrity fame either. You have to find something that's going to be individual and unique to you. And it's going to be something that you can actually take pride in when you start to reach the end of your life. Because as we look at people that are on their deathbeds, they're not saying, wow, I'm so glad I was famous, or I'm so glad I won all of these Super Bowls. It's really they're saying, I'm so glad I put forward the effort. I'm so glad I actually tried while everybody else was stuck on thinking and thinking and thinking about what they could be doing instead of just doing something. And doing nothing is not going to get you onto the path to finding out what you really want to do faster than doing something. Because any action is really better than nothing. You talk about some people that say, I'd rather feel pain than absolutely nothing. And I think that's kind of an interesting quote because, yeah, I agree with it. I don't want to feel nothing because that's the worst feeling you can feel. You know, that's nothingness is death itself. Doesn't really matter what you think is going to happen after because we don't know. So as far as we know, we've got our life where we can feel and experience and everything past that is a big fat question mark. And if you need the assurance for it to not be a question mark, you know, I respect you. I understand that. I don't tell people what to believe any more than Tony Robbins does. But you should at least identify the fact that this is what you have now. This is what you're working with now. The present moment is all you're going to have as far as you truly know. So you need to start taking it a little more seriously. Let's get into our content. We were investigating this two weeks ago with the four primal needs and the four spiritual needs and the fact that the four primal needs have conflict between the two pairs. You have certainty as a need. People get hung up on certainty because it's the survival mode's requirement. You want to be certain that you're going to have food between now and the time you go to bed and water and shelter. And when it's really, really cold out, like it is here in Houston today, you know, you can't spend a whole lot of time without shelter. You're going to get very, very ill, or if you have no protection, you could even freeze or get hurt somehow. You have to have shelter. So that certainty is really the driving factor behind our survival instincts. We want to have certainty of our survival, and that certainty allows us to spend our brain energy thinking about the thriving items. You know, why was civilization the boon for human creation if not for the fact that we had our food taken care of, we had the wheat, we had the rice, we had the corn, we had the potatoes, 
we had our caloric requirements on a daily basis virtually guaranteed. So now all, all of a sudden we have time to build temples, huge walls, and for better or for worse, military technology, but all the other good stuff like paper making, printing, advanced shipbuilding, all of this cool stuff that comes from the ancient and medieval world that allowed us to develop into our modern world today. None of that would have been possible if we didn't have the certainty of our food on a daily basis. So certainty is important, but there's too much certainty that we don't wanna get caught up in. When we try to have too much certainty, we avoid uncertainty and we avoid new opportunities. Don't get too certain and get stuck in a too certain requirement mode. Once we get back, we will finish up on the four primal needs and four spiritual needs as we continue the UPW analysis by me, your host, Trevor Davis. Stay tuned. If you have money in an IRA, 401k, or other retirement account, you can use it to invest passively in real estate without tax or penalty. Our average rate of return is three times that of the stock market and mutual funds with much less volatility. If you have over $70,000, you can start passive investing today. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, wealth coach up here at TWA. Just getting into the final conclusion here and wrap up of the four primal needs and four spiritual needs as identified by Tony Robbins at the UPW event, Unleash the Power Within, which is what I did during that first week of November. And during the Unshakable Challenge, which is something that I recommend everybody watch because if you want to know what's going to happen during UPW that I've been talking about. This is the best introduction. So just go to YouTube, search up Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins Unshakable Challenge, or just Unshakable Challenge, and you're going to see, because it started last Tuesday, you're going to see the five days, and then they have the bonus day, which is on Sunday. And I didn't know about it until Monday, so I watched it yesterday. And it was really cool because it had an interview with Matthew McConaughey at the end and talked about how he approaches some of the challenges in his life and how he's done some relatively big risks. I mean, one of the biggest things that he did was he ended up taking a full two-year hiatus and from acting. He literally moved his family out of Los Angeles, out of Hollywood, back to Texas where he's from. And he's from Uvalde. And they moved back here to Texas. I believe they're in the Austin area because I hear he's all around UT where I graduated. And that was a full two years of where he wasn't doing anything with acting as a massive risk for people to try and take him seriously and for him to have the opportunity to go away from the romantic comedies and into the dramas. And now he's in stuff like Interstellar, directed by Christopher Nolan, which is a very, very cerebral type of movie. Um, Tenet was up there in terms of being extremely head-heavy. I mean, you really, really have to know what the heck is going on in that movie to keep heads or tails. But man, they are definitely very, very rewarding, very, very satisfying movies, but we're looking at uncertainty and variety on the other side of certainty, and that's the conflict. 
you know, nobody wants to have the exact same experience every single solitary day, at least if we're honest. I mean, I think 99% of people could agree with that. But that other 1%, you know, that feel like they want 100% certainty because of something that they're dealing with or an issue that they faced in the past that left them feeling very uncertain. You know, we want variety. We want uncertainty. We want the spice of life. And I would say one of the big things that we fall into with too much uncertainty would be drug use. I mean, if we really look down at it, look into it deeply, I should say, drugs are there for people to experience different emotions and experience different moods and feelings. You know, why in the world is somebody going to put a drug in their body to change how their brain is acting if they're happy and satisfied with the way that it's working right now, which is sober, which is normal, which is clearly the way it's supposed to work normally. And while I understand that there are some serious issues out there that could provide hormonal imbalances that need to be addressed by professional doctors, you know, street drugs are not something diagnosed and prescribed by professional doctors. So somebody is using this to feel a different type of way. And by the way, folks, alcohol is a drug. Caffeine is a drug. Just because they've been grandfathered in because human civilization has been using them for thousands and tens of thousands of years does not mean they're not drugs. You know, that's a very skewed perception that came from the war on drugs because we wanted to make it to where these things like marijuana and cocaine were the absolute devil and alcohol somehow isn't, even though when you look at the statistics, alcohol is the most harmful drug there is in terms of its impact on families. I mean, how many people die in this city alone from drunk driving? And yet no one's freaking out when somebody goes to the bar and has a couple shots. You know, I think that's a load of crap because people need to take drugs seriously across the board. If you're going to use drugs, including alcohol, you have to be responsible. And you have to understand why it is you're using it. You know, are you trying to have fun? I mean, what is the objective here? And try as I might to talk with people to figure out why they use it, it seems like I'm the only one who ever has an actual adequate answer. So are people not thinking about this? Are people not actually facing the issues that push them towards drugs? I don't really understand why because no one has explained it to me. But I get it. People don't want to feel whatever they're feeling in the sober mode. They could want detachment. They could want to feel just far away from whatever issue it is at hand. You know, just at least for a couple minutes or an hour, feel like they are completely in a different place with whatever particular drug. And alcohol is one of them. That's the most commonly used drug with tremendously awful repercussions for the body and families of people that use it irresponsibly. The other thing that we're looking at with the four primal needs are significance and love and connection. So we want significance. We typically want to be remembered after we're gone, but we also want love and connection, which conflicts because if we're going to be the most outstanding, remarkable person, 
that could affect our ability to connect with others and be loved. We have to have some common ground if somebody is going to be hanging out with us. You know, if you're interested in playing basketball, you want to hang out with people that are going to be interested in playing basketball. Or your spouse, for example. Y'all are going to have to have some shared interests. Vast majority of spouses are going to be doing activities together a lot of the time, so I'm sure those activities, hopefully, are activities that they enjoy together. So those can be conflicting. And then finally, the other two are the spiritual needs, growth and contribution. One of the concluding points that Tony Robbins talks about, and he talked about it a lot yesterday, was that growth equals happiness, a.k.a. positive change equals happiness. To tie it in with the Albert Einstein quote, we're always changing, so do we want to experience negative change or positive change? Of course, positive change. But it often requires a discipline that's not what we've been using that got us into this position in the first place. You know, that's not to just move the cheese like Steve talked about on the Sunday radio show where they just said, look, you've got all this passive income and this member felt like she couldn't get in, approved into any other deals because these banks didn't understand how the passive income worked. Like she literally had well over three times the amount that the average person makes with a regular job in income, but she wasn't able to qualify for new loans with them because it didn't count with them. You know, it's not moving the cheese, but it is moving the goalpost to a new one when you've hit this next goalpost. You know, we're about achieving goals and achieving new things, and growth is what makes us feel alive and feel happy. And when we contribute, you're doing something that helps other people achieve their goals. Charity is a great example. You know, I donated five full Thanksgiving dinners this last Thanksgiving. A big fat turkey, a big fat ham, a big sack of potatoes, cranberry sauce, and a big stuffing box five of those each, so a total of 25 items I donated after taking UPW because Tony Robbins said that that's one of the things that changed his life was whenever he went to the first house and donated food to a family that needed it on Thanksgiving. So people were hungry out there. The United States is not a country yet where we don't have anybody hungry. We have people that need food, and food is one of those survival necessities, so that translates to somebody getting the energy they need to do the stuff that they want to do. That's contribution. So it can be something different. It could be something that's not necessarily directly connected to survival requirements. It could be helping with an art studio or helping somebody learn how to play an instrument, donating time in that way, or helping at a business that you love, like volunteering at the library. But something is going to be contributing when it helps other people get what they want. 
So growth is getting what you want and contribution is getting what other people want. So to summarize all of this, certainty is on the outside of this circle, then inside uncertainty, significance, connection, love, growth, and contribution is at the middle with the total six human needs with the paradoxes between certainty and variety and then significance and connection and the two needs of spirit working hand in hand when used correctly. And I would say there's a potential paradox there because if you're having too much growth, you could end up not contributing back. You end up taking a too self-interested approach. Or if you're being too contributive, you know, the people that sacrifice everything and spend too much time working or helping others that they end up not helping themselves. So how in the world is this person going to be the best person to help others if, one, they can't even help themselves, they can't set an example for other people helping themselves, and two, they're wearing themselves down so ragged that they're reducing their ability to help other people in the first place. That's been something I've noticed where people are sacrificing themselves and running themselves ragged to help others when actually making the problems worse sometimes. Don't run yourself ragged. Help, but take care of yourself too. We will be back at the halfway point with the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, and stay tuned. market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. All right, everybody, at the halfway point of the TWA Wednesday radio show, I'm giving y'all the stock updates because stocks are going up. Nice. Dow Jones year-to-date is 2.83%. S&P 500 is at 6.28%. And NASDAQ is at 10.62% since January 1st, so what a month. So everybody is very, very happy because of this, right? Well, you know, not exactly, because as I've talked about for the previous two shows, there's a lot of ground that would need to be made up, and every other index and sign is still talking about this coming recession. And I don't really know how many times I'm going to need to say it, but I'm going to keep doing my due diligence on this matter until you understand it. There will never, ever be a forever up market. There will never, ever, ever be a forever up market. What's happened with COVID was ridiculous. The fact that we had lowered population growth, but radically expanded house values and demand, you know, that's a very questionable set of actions that we committed in this country. And it's been good for people that have held property before COVID. Sure. That's something that I've benefited from. Sure. But the fact that that happened like that and some of the biggest companies in the world have seen their profits increase radically 
while there's been no significant improvement in the quality of life of the middle class or lower class, you know, there's a lot missing here. You know, this has been a this was an opportunity for us to make life better for a lot of people, and it seems so far that this was taken and used by a lot of people to just make their already excellent positions even better and not really give any benefit to the middle class, the core of the United States, the bread and butter, the working class. So it's been a very interesting past three years because we're at three years now. You know, I just had my fiance's family, my future brother-in-law, send this news cast that was literally from three years ago the end of January 2020, about COVID. You know, who remembers the first news media piece they heard about COVID? You know, I don't remember exactly what mine was, but I remember it was just on the news, on Reddit, and people were joking about it, posting the Plague Doctor memes, and, you know, making fun of it, because there's been a lot of other things discussed with the diseases that come out of China that they just made fun of. But then this one ended up being the most serious by far because most people got it and it sucked. You know, it wasn't it wasn't fun. And a lot of people passed away around the world. Millions of people. I mean, over 600,000 in this country. That's literally, no, it's actually over a million at this point that have passed away from COVID. That's more than the Americans that have died in every single war in our country combined, including World War II and the Civil War. Everything. So COVID has created a very interesting environment. And the high market that came from the rebound of that sudden down market with COVID is what should have happened. We were overdue already for a down market in 2020. And then it went up. So we are over overdue for a down market. There will never, ever, ever be a forever up market. There's going to be a down market. And you can either get ready for it. And best case scenario, it doesn't end up be doesn't end up being that bad, which is very unlikely. Because as history has shown, the higher the high market, the lower the low market. Folks, this down market is slated to be severe. And while we might not be facing the same exact issues that led to 2008 and 9, market has to balance. We can't go on with this type of inflation, this low wage growth, this stagflation. This is not something sustainable. There have to be adjustments. That's the way the market works. But rest assured, there's never such a thing as a forever down market either. So while the down market is inevitable, the new up market's going to be inevitable. It's an up and down cycle. You know, I'm 31 years old. So people that are in their 60s and 70s have seen this process go on many, 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 many times. But there's still some of the people that think this is somehow going to be an always up market doesn't make any sense. How can you have experienced this multiple times in your life and believe that this is going to somehow be a forever up market? 
I understand that the COVID response was different, but we're talking about a high market versus low market, grand economic issue. It's going to come crashing down. You have to be prepared with more adequate investments. Like real estate, of course. You know, we're, our sales pitch is about real estate. We talk about it because it works. It works in a down market. Get a piece of real estate and prove me wrong. So let's get back to the Tony Robbins content. We've got a couple examples with the activity that we just highlighted. We've got positive certainty activities, negative certainty activities, and positive negative versions of all of this. So one bit of homework I can give you today And if you've got something handy to write down, you know, identify your certainty points and uncertainty variety points and identify what positive things you do for certainty and negative things you do for certainty. You know, positive certainty would be something like going to the gym. You know, I go to the gym Wednesdays and Fridays now for an hour and a half to two hours and I target a different muscle set group each time. And I make sure that one of those days, as I basically do, it's going to be leg, chest, back, leg, chest, back. So I get those activities done at least every other week. And I've got home workouts that I do periodically throughout the week as well. But gym is something that creates certainty. If you know you're going to go to the gym, as nervous as you can be, that is a certainty. You can even identify that you know you're going to be certain of being nervous. So that's some additional certainty. I mean, talk about emotional control. If you can literally identify that you're going to be uncomfortable with something and not uncomfortable in a bad way, because that's a big difference, but just the classic nervousness of doing something that you know you got to do, but you've got those got to do it jitters but you still identify the fact that it's going to be there and you look at it a little more detached and objectively and you can control that response, how you actually act in the face of that nervousness. Another certainty could be something like cooking a particular meal on a regular basis during the week or reading a book you enjoy on a daily basis. You know, if you're religious, You read the Bible on a daily basis. That's something that can create certainty for you. But negative certainty could be something like excessive instantaneous gratification monkey habits, like spending a whole bunch of time every single day watching sports. You know, like most of these activities, there's little to nothing wrong with them in the right dosage. But if every single day you're just coming home after work and drinking beer and watching sports and you wonder why you did that 10 years ago and you're still doing it today and you're not what you consider successful, it's because there's a problem there. That activity is excessive and that was coming from your negative need for certainty. Positive certainty, uncertainty would be new experiences. Like, if you have a restaurant you like and the type of food you like, well, maybe it's time to try a new restaurant. Negative uncertainty 
could be something for me as like almost deliberate disorganization. Like I deliberately do things out of order as if that's going to create a positive level of uncertainty when really that's just creating a bigger mess for me. And I would say stress is a negative type of uncertainty. I think a lot of people and really everybody can identify with stress because stress is the peak uncertainty. Stress is that general general response to not knowing about a lot of different things and it amalgamates into a singular sensation and emotion where I just feel stressed. You feel like this pressure throughout your body and sometimes you feel it in your head, like you're thinking really fast, you feel it in your heart, your heart starts to palpitate, starts to feel a clenching. Significance, which is positive. What are your positive ways of achieving significance in your own definition? And what are your negative ways of achieving significance? You know, a positive way would be helping people, listening to other people, doing something that makes them want to be around you and, of course, remember you when you're gone. And what's a negative significance as we wrap up this part till the break? We will actually come back to that as we head into the break. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. We'll be back for the final segment. Y'all stay tuned. There's an old joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And this is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that's going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars in the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. Welcome back to the final segment, folks. I have the continuing invitation for everybody. If you want to read The Richest Man in Babylon, you haven't read this book, or you want to get a refresher, just send me an email, trevor at totalwealthacademy.com, and I will send you the free PDF of that book. And if you come into one of our events and you want a copy and you are a member, just let us know. You can get a hardback copy on us. No problem. Just let us know. Just say, Trevor said it on the radio, look us in the eye, and we'll give you the book. So we are going to talk about negative significance, and I think a lot of people achieve significance in a negative way by bullying other people, downsizing other people's comments, talking down to people, and that's something that I have definitely have had an issue with, is to just be an intellectual jackass, for lack of a better term. And you don't want to be doing stuff like that. That's not the way to achieve significance. You don't achieve significance by putting other people down. You achieve significance by lifting other people up. Sometimes they don't want your damn help. Sometimes you can talk to them a million, million times, directly or indirectly to their face or through a radio show, and they don't want to be helped. There's nothing you can do sometimes. You cannot help everybody. Let's talk about connection and love. What are the positive ways that you build connection and love, in particular with your significant other? You know, going on dates? You know, let's talk about this for a second. 
just man to man, when's the last time you've taken your significant other on a date? Girlfriend, fiance, wife. If you don't know, it's been too long. Take your significant other out on a date. And everybody else, ladies, should take your significant other on a date. You know, take your boyfriend, fiance, husband on a date too. We like that as well. Find something to where all of the regular stuff you have to do on a daily basis is out of the picture and y'all are just enjoying each other's time together, doing something explicitly intimate and romantic, like going to a nice restaurant or just going to a movie. I mean, one of my favorite tips from couples that are very successful and have very positive relationships is to remember to continue dating each other. So be the goofball couple if that's what you think you're going to look like, but you're not going to be goofy when you're taking care of each other. You know, go to the arcade, go to the movie, just get popcorn, keep it simple, just something fun. That's going to build connection. You're talking about negative ways to build connection Maybe you think that arguments build connection, conflict, nitpicking, nagging. You know, probably not. I don't know of anybody who appreciates it when the first thing that someone says when they come home is a complaint about something you did or didn't do that they somehow are instantly able to see. Like, honey, welcome home. Oh, yeah, I forgot to take that out. Um, welcome home, right? Or you doing that to them, for goodness sake, because you're not perfect either. But let's make sure that we're building positive connections. And as they, they talked about, and I need to get the name of this doctor pair because it's a husband and wife that's done this research, and they're able to find out with 91% confidence if a couple is going to stay together after five years just by seeing them interact for five minutes. You know, that's deadly accurate. You know, that's an A in school if you're that 91%. But you have to make sure that your positive to negative interactions are at minimum five to one. And that's what they consider a good relationship, a relationship that's able to stand up well. Doesn't mean it's great, because they say the great ones are the ones that hit 20 to one. And I mean, I'm thankful that whenever I heard that, I was like, only 20 to 1? Like, that's that seems incredibly doable when we're talking about 20 positive interactions of all types to one negative interaction. Not neutral, negative. If you're hitting 20 to 1, you're in excellent shape. And I feel that's a lot of perspective for a lot of people because everybody can get into the idea that the grass is greener on the other side. That is one of the most destructive things when it comes to relationships. Because we're not really talking about growth anymore, which is positive, which is upgrading what we have. You know, upgrading yourself or upgrading your relationship. That's basically saying 
to look at it more literally, your grass is your grass on your side. This is your house. This is your castle. This is what you need to take care of. Instead of, I don't know, listening to what your neighbor is doing to make their grass so green, you try to get your neighbor kicked out and you try to move into the house next door. Take the neighbor's wife, as it were, something ridiculous to that effect. That's not what you want to do. You need to cultivate your relationship and you need to cultivate your house and your grass. And if you see greener grass somewhere, figure out how they did it. Perfect transition and pivot point to the real estate. I mean, if you see someone succeeding in real estate, that's the person you're going to want to listen to, not the person that doesn't know how to do it, not the person that's just stuck in the stock market. Cultivate your own green grass. Don't be obsessed with how the other grass looks. And another way that it's been explained that I've thought about, because, I mean, I don't know where I got this exactly, but I think that when you're looking at something else from the perspective and you can see the full picture, you can often get a rosier analysis. If you can see someone's entire yard, to take that literal example, and you see how green it looks and you're standing on yours, it's a little harder to see your own yard when you're standing in the thick of it, isn't it? Because you don't have perspective. It can be very hard to get perspective on your own life when you're in the middle of it. I mean, that's pretty difficult, isn't it? That's why detaching and stepping back psychologically is so important so constantly for us to gain perspective. How would you know if your grass is already the greenest in the neighborhood if you don't step off your lot step across to the other side of the street and get the full picture. And then what are you going to do if it does turn out your grass is the greenest? Is that the condition that you needed to be happy? Well, if it is, then congratulations. But I don't think happiness is conditional. I think progress and growth creates more happiness, but base happiness is not conditional. but we still want to strive for the better and upgraded relationships and happiness at the same time. That's something I could spend an entire radio show talking about right there. But we are almost done with today, so let's go ahead and wrap up with some more of these exercises. You have to identify out of those six human needs, again, certainty against uncertainty and variety, significance against connection and love, and then the two spiritual needs, growth and contribution. Which two have you been connecting with and valuing the most? They said that the certainty is the most common. And again, that's part of the survival issue. We want certainty, so we often get attached to it. And love and connection is, of course, very common as well, because everybody wants to be loved. So by overvaluing these things, what are something... What are some things that you end up missing out on? They talked about with certainty, you could miss out, if you're being too certain, on new experiences and new opportunities. If you're trying to get love above all, couldn't you lose track of what you actually are setting goals up for? Like, what is it that actually matters to you 
if you're looking for love externally too much and you're not figuring out how to love yourself first. What would be the top two needs to switch around for your life to transform? You know, it could be a reanalysis of the ones that we're valuing the most, or it could be going to the one on the opposite side. What is something that you can change and adjust to not get hung up and crutched by some overemphasis of a particular need? And to illustrate it, he always talks about what is your life going to be like in a year from now? It's a super common time frame he looks at. How are you going to feel if you make these changes a year from now? Because if you're going to be alive a year from now, like the vast majority of us are, you're going to get to that point anyhow, so why not make some changes that get you to a better point when you arrive at that year with consciousness in your life and control? So that is the wrap-up of day one, folks. The very first day of UPW has finally been covered on the radio show. I will be back next Wednesday to start day two. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.